Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about how etiquette plays an important role in our lives. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Christy Spencer. Christy is a journalist, businesswoman, etiquette consultant, and the founder of The Polite Company. You can reach Christy at her website, thepolitecompany.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Christy. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. I'm so happy to be here. I am delighted to be talking about etiquette. This is something new, some, a topic we haven't covered before. And I think the concept of etiquette is widely misunderstood. I think if you were to say etiquette, the first thing that would pop into a lot of people's mind is, oh, we're having a tea party and I need to know how to hold my pinky. So, but it is so much more than that. Would you please explain what is etiquette and why does it matter? Well, etiquette is everywhere. So people think of it as something we need in formal situations, but, you know, we need it in the drive-thru line. We need it when we're driving on the highway. We need it in the grocery store. You know, everything is etiquette. And sometimes people say, oh, etiquette, are we still doing that? And I'll say, yes, we're doing it right now when we're having this conversation. So it really impacts every corner of your life. Um, whenever two people come together, that is the, that there's has to be etiquette. So, um, it really is the, the fuel that powers relationships, as the Emily Post Institute says. And, you know, it's taking everyday dilemmas and figuring out a way to build a relationship while you solve any of those dilemmas, whether it's somebody, you know, interrupting you or talking too loud on their phone or any of those kinds of things. You can always take the opportunity to build a relationship. And it's so important, you know, we're post, you know, hopefully post pandemic. So, you know, some things have changed. Are we going back to the old ways? But, um, knowing what to do in a situation is important, but knowing how you impact a situation is also important. And so knowing what to do really gives people and especially children confidence to go into any situation and really, you know, have, you know, know what they should do and then be able to focus on what's happening in front of them. Wow. Okay. So that is very different from a tea party and holding my pinky up. You talked about yeah. that the primary thing, that the primary focus of etiquette is relationships. So is it about the rules that we follow so that we can get along with other people? You're talking about the drive through and driving down the freeway. Is etiquette then a sort of uh, the, the social mores, the rules that we follow to be able to uh, get along with each other? Or let's, can we fine tune it just a little bit even more so that I can really understand what it is when we use that word? I think that we have an innate nature to try to make people happy and to try to be good people. I really do believe that. I don't think people wake up and think, I want to make people's days miserable today. I think we start out with great intention. And then sometimes we just don't think about what we're doing. So this um, gives you the opportunity to, to think of options and to react in ways that, you know, make other people feel cared for, make other people feel special. And you just kind of help my life just go a little bit more smoothly, whether it's a wedding formal event or you know, a baby shower, those once in a lifetime opportunities, or if it's sitting down at the dinner table at night and your kids put a napkin in their lap, you know, knowing how to act in all those situations are, you know, really important. Yes, it is. And I love the idea that the way that we behave 
not only affects us, this affects the people that are around us and helps them to feel um, like we respect them, that we are honoring them, that we want them to feel comfortable and that we, um, we value them. So these kinds of things. So now you mentioned the Emily Post Institute, and I know that you graduated from there. And I forgive my ignorance. I had to look it up. I did not know what that was. Would you mind telling a little bit about, about what that is? So Emily Post wrote her first etiquette book uh, 100 years ago. So this is the 100th anniversary of the book that really put etiquette on the map and made it accessible to everyone. And she was very much uh, in favor of etiquette wasn't because you were privileged. It had nothing to do with wealth. It had nothing to do with education. It really was accessible to anyone, especially immigrants who were coming to America at that time who really wanted to adopt the American culture as quickly as possible. And so she made it really accessible and really easy. And a lot of people will say, you know, it's elbows off the table or it's those kinds of things. And she was, it was not about that at all. It was about relationships, even a hundred years ago. It's still about relationships. I like that. And yet, because what I have in my brain is still so ingrained, I'm having a hard time totally and completely converting to this new definition and understanding what it means. So maybe it would be helpful if we start putting it into some specific situations, like a, a, a business interview. What, what would business etiquette be? What, how would having etiquette help me in a, a business meeting? So, you know, you'd want to have a plan for the meeting and you want to always give your full attention. And, you know, people say, is it okay to take notes on my cell phone? And, you know, you put yourself in somebody else's position. What happens if you're at a meeting with somebody and you're talking and you're making eye contact and it's going great. And then they look down at their phone and they start texting away. We've all been in that situation. We're thinking, okay, I'm not interesting enough or, you know, whatnot. So, it's really about, you know, being present with people, um, paying attention, you know, um, just it, it's so easy and it's so simple and we all know to do it. But sometimes we use technology as a barrier. So, you know, I always say during meetings, you know, take out the old pencil and paper. Um, it's great if you're leading a meeting to, you know, have your agenda. You want to dress appropriately. Um, but you always want to, you know, encourage other people. So there's no use in meeting if you're just going to talk at people. So if you're going to have a meeting and take up people's time, make sure that you're getting input from them as well. Okay. So as I'm trying to unwrap this scenario, here's what I'm hearing. That as the leader of a business meeting, I want to show respect to the people who are coming. And some of the ways that I can show that respect is, first of all, by coming prepared. And second of all, being respectful of their time while they're there, that this is something that's going to be of value to them. Now on the flip side, if I am a person who is attending the meeting, how I can show respect, not only for the person who is my, my leader here, but also for the other people in the group, then I need to be present and uh, free from distractions, things that either are or even appear to be uh, a distracting. So if I'm taking notes, that might be appropriate. But if I try to do my notes on my phone, maybe in my mind, I am being respectful, I'm taking notes. But the way that it's coming across to the other people in this room is that I, I, I don't care. 
I just don't care. Right. And I'm doing my thing. Am I am I close? So we're we're you're talking abs- about right how to treat each other with respect. So now a, a lot of things seem like they could be kind of common sense of how would I like to be treated? But is, is there someone who's kind of writing the rules and saying when you're in a situation, we should be doing this? Is it or, or is it a combination of both? I think it's a combination of both. Um, the Emily Post Institute revises their guidelines every few years. They're coming out with their 20th, 20th edition, and things have definitely changed over 100 years. We're much less formal than we used to be. You know, to, to go to somebody's house used to be somebody would come and deliver you a letter, and it was very formal. You know, you're thinking Downton Abbey here, which is, you know, really romantic to think about. But now you might just holler over the back fence, you know, and say, hey, neighbor, do you want to come over for a cup of coffee? So we become less and less formal, which I think is fantastic because when you do use those manners, when you pay attention in a meeting, when you send the thank you note, when you do all of those little things, you can stand out so much more easily now than you could back a hundred years ago because everyone was conforming to the rules. So now for somebody who is, you know, polite and, you know, does all the small things that matter, you stand out as cream of the crop. Wow. And I love that you brought up, it's not about conforming to a set of rules because I don't have a lot of incentive to conform to some rules that somebody made up about, you know, which fork I need to be using or that I need to send a letter before I can come. So I like the idea that really it's about relationships and it's about how we treat each other. So I I loved your example in the business thing. Let's, I would love to hear some more examples. So how about dating? Are there some uh, etiquette rules for for dating that are going to make me stand out and um, make me show well? Well, you know, I come back to it all the time, but uh, the cell phone is the biggie. You want to put that away. So you, if you don't eat with it, it shouldn't be on the table. So no cell phones on the table. That should be in your pocket or, you know, in your purse or somewhere else. I think that you want to take into consideration what the other person likes. And so when you're, you know, making plans, make sure that it's something you want to do too, because you want to be authentic and present your genuine self. And then, you know, when you get there, um, I do have one rule. If people do have a drink, it's a one drink rule. Um, You don't ever want to start with an apology or end with an apology. So you really have to be, you know, very, very strict about that with yourself, even though you might be nervous. That is not the way to go. It's not going to help anything. So I think that, you know, so to have that and then, you know, just engage in conversation. Um, make sure you are following the table manners to the point where, you know, chewing with your mouth closed. And I think you always want to take care and understand how people are treating other people. That's the best clue of how they're going to treat you. So when somebody is, you know, is, is courteous to the waitress or somebody who's seating them, that's a great clue of how they're going to treat you. So I think, you know, make sure that you're treating other people around you really well. Mm, I love that. And I love that this brings out, you're talking about this is relationships. And as you're describing the etiquette for a, a date, it matches that if you behaved that way 
And behaving that way, I think, includes kind of a deeper level that I am thinking about the other person, what they feel and what they need. And so there is an element instantly of uh, being selfless, of paying attention to another person and then treating them with respect. That is an excellent foundation for a good relationship that can continue whether it's one date or whether it's a marriage and it's a lifetime relationship. I also loved that you brought up the idea that as we pay attention to the the etiquette that someone else is demonstrating, it gives us insight into their character. If someone is going to be snippy and with someone that you you realize, okay, that's something, there's a red flag right there. Here is an issue. And I think your your advice on only a, a one drink rule is a very good idea. So these are wonderful. Thank you. It's been a while since I've dated, that's for sure. But, you know, I'm willing to give the advice to anyone who will listen. <laughs> Can you give me some more examples? What other kinds of scenarios? We talked about driving, and I'm assuming driving etiquette might include using your blinker, allowing people to merge, not honking and getting all upset when things are... Just, just, let's just, we're all heading in the same direction. Take a deep breath and we're going to be okay. Is there more than that? I think that, you know, just going into a situation where you're going to be mindful of other people and, you know, you're not always going to do things right. And when you don't, you know, a a wave or, or something, you know, just to let somebody know, I see you, I know it was, you know, my fault. I'm so sorry. If, I think if you just operate in that space, you, if people would be surprised how it would transform themselves in, you know, when, when you start out the day in a bad mood, it's amazing how everything, you know, goes downhill from there. But when you start out, you know, thinking, I'm not perfect and neither is anybody else. And I'm not, I don't have that expectation that somebody's going to be that way. Um, you know, it, it, it it lightens you and it lightens the people around you. So, you know, I think you only use the horn if somebody's in danger. It is not an expression. It is not something you say to other people. You know, it's not how we communicate is through beats. But, you know, I think that um, there's other ways to do things. And if it's a safety issue, absolutely lay on that horn. But if it's just you getting upset about somebody else, let it go. You know, it's only going to hurt you to, to wallow in that. I love this. I can just see how if we all practice this, the whole world would be a better place. Our, our relationships would be, would be better. I, you think of our all the major problems would today. Be better. Everything. And it seems like it's more, I mean, it is maybe a surface kind of set of rules, but it, again, it comes from this deeper place, uh, like you're describing this commute to work and how if you're thinking you know, I'm not perfect. I don't expect other people to be perfect and it's okay. And if someone makes a mistake, I'm not going to get all upset about it. I mean, that, that comes from being in a good place yourself. I I, I think that's, I think that's wonderful. It, It, this, you know, the journey that I've gone on to do this has been transformational. And once I knew that there was this positive thing I could do that would not only help me, but help situations and help other people, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I didn't even know this was, you know, this was possible. And so, you know, I w- it just really impacted my life that, you know, I, I couldn't let it go. I love it. 
All right, now I'm going to go back to a concept that we talked about at the beginning where you said most people want to please other people. So I'm going to take that scenario. And a lot of times the way that we, we, we try to please someone else is to say yes when we really mean no. Or to think, well, they got to win because, you know, I want them to be happy or I got to say what they want me to hear when it's not genuine. So let's go to a situation where I, I want to say no, I don't want to do it. What is the, the polite way to say no? That is such a great question. Um, I just, uh, did a talk for International Women's Day and it was about empowering etiquette and it was all about how to say no politely, declining invitations, disagreeing with somebody else, where you can be assertive, but you don't have to necessarily be aggressive when you're doing that. So when you say no, you first of all want to think about what your response is going to be. So an instant no or an instant yes are usually going to lead to regret. So take time to consider what somebody's asking you and then, you know, start it off with a thank you. Thank you so much for knowing that you can always ask me for a favor, but this time I'm not going to be the best person to help you. And sometimes taking a little bit of that responsibility will help ease that transition. And so when you say no, you have to be sure of your answer because, you know, you want to stick to it and you, you want to let them know, you know, that this is my answer. And sometimes all people really want is for you to listen. And so just empathizing with them and say, I can, you know, I can see you're really in a bind or I can see this is really difficult for you. And then just letting there be a little bit of silence. And usually they will, you know, give you information or let you know what they're thinking. And just that act of listening and taking that time, they're going to end up thanking you no matter if you've said no to them. Because people really, really appreciate being heard. So an empowering way to say no. Um, and I'd like to even continue some more ways to say no. Someone asked somebody on a date, I I'm not interested. How do I, how do I say no? That's tough. And, it's, and you know, when after a date, sometimes it's tough to tell somebody. But really, you have to think, you know, there's the golden rule where we do one to others. And then there's a platinum rule where we do unto other people as they want done to them. So would you want somebody to tell you, don't waste your time, you know, this isn't going to work out. And, you know, most of us would say, yes, we want, we want that. So if that's something that you want, then you have to commit to telling that to other people if the situation calls for it. And so, you know, being honest with people, I, I think that, you know, if you do it with care and respect, I think that, it, you know, it goes over so, so much better than if people just stop communicating or if they say something rude, because that's going to get you, it's going to get you out of the same situation is if you're rude to somebody and they won't talk to you again, or if you tell them that, you know, you're a great person, I'm just not interested. It's the same outcome. Then, you know, how do both of you feel after one versus the other? They're both pretty ouchy. I have to admit it's ouchy. However, I think it's more kind to be told the truth. And I love that you've brought that up a couple of times. We are speaking the truth in a kind way. We're not sh sugarcoating or fluffing or making up excuses or creating a whole alternate universe story so that we don't hurt their feelings. We are speaking the truth 
in a way that is respectful and kind. Am I, am I close? Yes, absolutely. You know, there's honesty and there's brutal honesty and you don't want to go with the brutal honesty way of doing things. So just some, you know, kindness and compassion and thinking about, you know, what would I want in this situation? I think then every experience is a chance for everyone to grow and to have mutual respect than, you know, taking the, the, sometimes we think it's the easier, you know, quicker way out, which is to offend somebody or, you know, make them feel bad. Um, But I just think you grow through that opportunity and, and you have to understand, you know, that date is the short term, you know, the long term is how you're going to interact with whomever you might be with, you know, for the rest of your life. And you're just building that foundation as you go. Excellent. That is excellent. Well, let's switch and go to more of a family situation. It's dinner time and everybody's cell phones are out. How do I kindly, respectfully, firmly say uh, cell phones not at the table? Do you have any suggestions for that one? You know, I think sometimes there's cute signs you can put up in your kitchen, you know, that, you know, we're having tech-free, device-free meals. Um, I think that, you know, you just make it clear that you don't bring the cell phones to the table. And I, I encourage parents to start with this really young. You know, it's easy to go to a restaurant and you see people who are giving their child a tablet or a cell phone as they wait for food. And they're usually doing it because they don't want the child to disturb other people, or at least that's where I come from is, you know, they're trying to be respectful of other people, but I don't mind if I see somebody engaging with their child and taking that opportunity to ask them about their day or talk about the menu. Um, I think that sometimes we're missing an opportunity to teach our kids table manners and, and those kinds of things because we're either you know, thinking, oh, it'd be so nice to have, you know, uh, you know, a no crying at the dinner table or, you know, at this restaurant, or I don't want to disturb other people. But I think you start really early that, you know, that technology, again, is a barrier between two people connecting. And I think you have to think about food is not, is not about eating. It's not about what you order or what you get on your plate. It's about the relationship and the time that you have together. So if you, if you put that most importantly, then the cell phones don't come to the table, kids don't get the tablets, and you just, you know, take that bit of time in the day to connect. I love that. So as we've come from the, this part back to the beginning, it is about relationships. It is about relationships. It is about relationships and putting that as the focus and then thinking, okay, if I want this relationship to flourish, then what is my behavior going to be? What is my action going to be? I love it. Is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover before we close today? No, I just think that um, I encourage people to, to learn the rule, not just to know them, but to give themselves confidence in situations. I love teaching college or kids, you know, who there's some kids who are so anxious about being judged or being in front of people and eating and dining and social situations just magnifies that. And so if you have the confidence of, you know, you know, what, you know, how to wear an appropriate outfit for a job interview, or you know what fork to use, or you know how to send that thank you note, it really opens doors. And I think that as parents, 
that's our biggest job is to prepare kids not only to be productive in the world, but to find happiness in themselves. And I think that there, there is a, a transformational happiness that happens when you think about other people and respect other people. And in turn, you, re- you respect yourself and your feelings. But I, I, I think it just makes the world a better place. I love that. How happiness comes from being respectful to other people. That is a really cool way to close. Christy, thank you. Thank you for visiting with me and for all the wisdom you've shared. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Marion Wright Edelman. She said, Being considerate of others will take your children farther in life than any college degree. Today, I invite you to make the world a better place by being considerate of others. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self-esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.